Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, our Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Jera, and thanks for tuning in. Today with us, we have crew members Grace. Hey, everybody. And Sue. Heidi ho neighborinos. And we also have a special guest, Heather. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to join you. And we are so happy to have you. Yeah, we're... S- yeah, super excited. Um, Heather, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your, uh, you know, how you came to be interested in Star Trek? Oh, fun, fun, fun. I'll try to make it short because it could be really long. So I have only been a hardcore Trekkie since about 2009. It wasn't quite the new movies that got me into Star Trek. I, I had watched Enterprise uh, live. That was my first Trek yeah, as you can imagine, it really wasn't the best introduction to Star Trek, and I, I lost interest around the second season. I did watch all of it, but I didn't pay a ton of attention, and, and you know, a lot of people think that the third and fourth season are the better seasons, <laughs> uh, you know, but it still has a little bit of a soft spot because it was my first Trek, uh, but when the when the J.J. Abrams movies came out, the 2009 film... I decided that it would be really fun to go to a Star Trek convention. And Google led me to Creation Star Trek Las Vegas, which is the biggest Star Trek convention in the US. And I went and I have gone every year since. My fandom has completely evolved. I've watched all of Star Trek, although I've got three episodes of the animated series left. But it's really been connecting with the fans and the community that has just fueled my love of Star Trek. Uh, I love the franchise itself. I, I love all of the lessons that we get from the series, but the passion of the fans and just the the quality of these people. I've just met so many amazing people, including all of you. And so that led me to create the Shore Leave podcast, with which I co-host with my friend Jeff Hewlett on the Tricorder Transmissions Network. And uh, that is my Star Trek story. Yay! Yay. Well, we are thrilled to have you. And uh, before we get into our main topic, which is enterprise related, uh, we just have our usual housekeeping announcements to do. So first of all, I wanted to remind you about the Women at Work Patreon. We are a listener supported show, which means we rely on you to, you know, get the show uh, audio and web hosted and uh, to get out to conventions to do promotion and to get materials printed and things like that. So if you're able to support us, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash women at warp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash women at warp and uh, pledge a small monthly donation and in exchange you get access to exclusive bonus content. So uh, that's that's one of the things. Uh, another housekeeping item is another way you can help us uh, as a show is to leave us a rating and or review on iTunes. It helps more people find our show. And uh, so uh, if you're able to uh, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, thank you. And thanks to everyone who has done so already. Just real quick, we don't mention it a whole lot, but we are also on in the Google Play Store and on the Stitcher app. Yes, we are all so over the internet if you to... know where to look for us. <laughs> there are places to leave ratings and reviews just about everywhere you can find us. Yes. And then the uh, final item of housekeeping for this episode is that it is convention season. Uh, Grace and I will be heading to Star Trek Las Vegas yeah. uh, along with Heather. Yay. It's like the better, um, well, at least less terrible version of Reza. 
Yeah, we're still waiting for, you know, the schedule and the full details in terms of where we're going to be in terms of panels and meetups and things. But if you are following our Facebook page, uh, we will be posting the information there for sure. And uh, would love to connect with you listeners at uh, some point at Star Trek Las Vegas. And Sue, you have some conventions you are hitting up as well. Yeah, the biggest one coming up for me is Dragon Con, and I was just recently confirmed as an attending professional this year. Oh, yeah! Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But basically what that means is that I will be searchable in the app. So you can look for me and see my full schedule of panels. And yeah, that's exciting. That's Labor Day weekend. And then there's uh, some smaller stuff that I'll be doing with uh, some Star Wars fan groups in the fall uh, heading up to New York Comic Con. Amazing. Any other housekeeping that I missed? We're recording on my birthday, so I am um, holding on to the right to be completely insufferable. Yeah, it's Grace's birthday. Yeah! Yes. And because we thought, you know, what better present could we offer Grace than to make her rewatch quite a few episodes of Enterprise involving Captain Archer and romantic relationships. Let's be real. My disdain is the gift that keeps giving back. <laughs> so, yes, we are. this is a continuation of our series, Oh, Captain, My Captain. I believe it's pronounced Captain. <laughs> I don't think I can say it that way with Archer. How about Captain? <laughs> uh, and uh, so this is where we, we take a look at the captains and their, uh, well, in most cases, lady loves. And uh, so we uh, invited Heather on as a little bit more enterprise expert than the rest of us. And uh, we're going to talk about Archer's love interests. And, you know, he doesn't have... A ton. I was actually kind of surprised. Like, um, you know, he, there was a lot of effort made to kind of sexy up Enterprise after Voyager. But um, Archer doesn't really have a lot of, like, making out with green skin, skin space babes. It's like once in four seasons, at least with green skin. Um, <laughs> but well, the first one comes on pretty quick, which is uh, Rian in the early season one episode, Civilization. So this is the one where she's the apothecary on the planet where the future guy is, like, irradiating people with technology or something. Uh, did anyone have any, any thoughts on this episode? Well, this felt very much to me like they were trying to, like, Kirkify Archer. Right? Not very and well, also. No, realized, like almost immediately that that was not the way to go with this character. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, I guess we're lucky in that respect that they did realize that. Well, yeah. But it felt the whole thing from like, well, we shouldn't interfere with this planet, but we're going to do it anyway, to like every point of this plot felt very TOS. I was just going to say that um, the I think like, Rian is actually one of the better ones in this list um, in that she's uh, they repeatedly talk about how advanced she is compared to what they would expect for her civilization stage of development. She's an apothecary, but she's using these advanced forensic techniques. She's got basically she's sciencing and investigating on her own. She's putting herself in danger to try to like basically be an epidemiologist. And so I, I thought that she was kind of cool as a character. 
Yeah, I completely agree with both sentiments here. It, it felt very TOS to me. I did think that out of the, the few choices, love interest that we had, she as a character um, was certainly the most appealing to me. I liked their, their chemistry together. I felt she was a pretty strong character. She was so assertive. I love that she just started asking him questions off the bat and he would ask her a question and she would respond with a question. Um, but we have a certain scene in this episode that took that all away from me. And, and that would be the kiss that happens. How did you guys feel about that kiss? The, hey, my translator's not working yeah. kiss. <laughs> that felt very Kirkian to me. Um, <laughs> even though I think Kirk might have actually had like more respect for the situation. Gosh, what does that say also when you're saying, I just feel like Captain <laughs> Kirk would have taken this more seriously. That's, that's very telling of the scale we're working on. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. And when I was doing some research on this episode, I think it was on Memory Alpha, they were like, well, she didn't object to it. And I was like, well, she tried actually to say something. And then he just kissed her again and shut her up. And then, yeah, no, she didn't object. But she was kind of like, okay. She wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm totally into this either. It Ugh. Yeah, and he, I mean, he lies about what happened. He's like, oh, I saw someone and I had to, you know, think fast instead of I had to think fast because I'm actually an alien from the future who can't speak your language and I'm masquerading as one of you and I've been lying all along. Can we just get rid of the kiss as a silencing tactic trope? Yeah, it's pretty nasty. Just erase it from all of media, please, because yeah. it's terrible. It was just so yeah. unfortunate because I I thought she had potential. I mean, she was a scientist and she was assertive and I I liked her character, but then that happened and then of course in the end she's just like, "Oh yeah, sure." And then off he goes and and that's the end. So Yeah. Yeah, that was a little unfortunate for sure. Um I mean, you know, you run into these questions about, you know, I I would say you can probably assume she's attracted to him, but if she doesn't actually have any idea about who he really is, like, and he's actually outright lying about who he is, then... Um, kind of coercive, yeah. Yeah, manipulative, at least. But, um, yeah, and I mean, um, maybe the problem was she was too smart and assertive, because... Um, Let's go for that! Like the, Let's go for that! Almost the first scene in this episode is, like, basically Archer and Trip being like jocks making fun of the nerds no. <laughs> like so that's something that we can never like, get enough of right yeah because they're basically you know to paul's like oh we should go look at these supernovas and archer's basically like science lame nerd alert because making fun of nerds is definitely something star trek fans can identify <laughs> with well, it just made me like contrasted because I had just watched um the is it the the uh, oh <laughs> The Q and the Gray, where mm. they're on the bridge basically applauding, like, giving a standing ovation to a supernova because they're so excited about science. Um, so, you know, without getting into the rest of that. Bit of a whiplash there, then. In it. Yeah, it was like, let's, you know, let's go direct, dramatically U-turn from where we were with Voyager and let's just have the captain and the the tactical officer and the uh, engineer just, like, hating on science because it's so dumb. Bro, we went to space to escape from the science, bruh. 
I will say that I did enjoy her making the tea and kind of mm-hmm. telling him what to do. And then he's like, oh, what have I made? She's like, tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I mean, I thought uh, when I did my first watch of season one, I was like, this episode was not the worst. So, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, go ahead of her time, lady scientist. <laughs> And she wasn't, like, super overtly sexualized or anything. Like, she wasn't walking around in, like, super sexy clothes or whatever. It was just like, listen. And she and T'Pol have some dialogue together. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, um, the we have a couple options for where we could go next. There are a couple that I don't even think we really need to like discuss because they're not ever shown. They're just mentioned. So there's, um, there's a couple like Archer's past loves mentioned, Margaret Mullen and Caroline, but we, I don't think that they really show us anything about him. For the record though, Margaret Mullen totally sounds like a fake name you would pull out of your ass to be like, (laughs) yeah, I've had plenty of exes. There was, Margaret Mullen and Katie <laughs> Catherton and <laughs> Allie, like Sue Smith, Je- Jessica anything. Jones. Oh wait, that's a superhero. <laughs> um. We don't learn anything about the women, but we do learn a little bit about Archer, at least from when he's talking. I think it's about Margaret. That's the one he proposed to. Oh yeah. So, I mean, we know that at least at one time he was interested in having, if not like a family with kids, at least a wife, a partner in his life who made me roll my eyes a little bit, didn't want to be a Starfleet widow. Didn't we all roll our eyes at that one? (laughs) (sighs) Yes, Starfleet widow. Oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, we, there's that kind of sentiment a lot in the original series, this idea that, you know, you wouldn't really have a partner on a ship. The only time we see, like, a married couple is in uh, the one where they get married at the beginning and in Balance of Terror, and then the guy's dead by the end of the episode. So, um, I mean, I guess they're trying to sort of harken back to that, but it's kind of, it's weird. Well, the salt vampires are married, too. I think, if anything, that probably... That probably speaks to the fact that it was, you know, the beginning when the ships were going out and things were still very dangerous and hadn't been explored. The ships were going out too? Oh my gosh, everyone's tearing (laughs) up. (laughs) But, you know, maybe there was just, it was riskier and and whatnot. That's the only thing I could really take from that. It's just the, you know, the terminology that, that is used feels very like... It was the Great War, you know. <laughs> Back in ye old space days, it was different. <laughs> I'm totally an Enterprise Columbia ship. <laughs> I think it's technically slash. Uh, the important thing is that we all have ships to ship. <laughs> yeah. So um, then uh, chronologically, uh, we have Kayla in Two Days and Two Nights. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, so, like, Archer doesn't get married. He does get a dog, which helps uh, helps him meet Kayla, who also has a dog in Two Days and Two Nights. Even though, how does she have a dog? Because she's never heard of Earth. 
Yeah, but it's like one of those weird hairlessy, ugly dogs, so it could be like an alien. So it's supposed to be a space dog. I then guess. why didn't they put the dog in a in a unicorn costume? See, they weren't even trying. <laughs> we that. all know that's, that that's what space dogs look like. We have been given a raised bar from the original series on the amount of silly stuff you're willing to put on a dog to make it look like an alien. And this just backtracked so far. It quantum leaped back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of interesting where it's like, well, we learned what I, Archer really wants is a lady who also has a dog who happens to be close in proximity to him. That's what he wants. Convenience. <laughs> yeah. My God, he's got the he's got the dating criteria of Liz Lemon. Oh, God. <laughs> because he's See, in this there. episode, Sam Beckett leaps to rise up <laughs> where... <laughs> Where he basically hides out in his quarters until he happens to meet this woman who then, like, I don't know, I don't find her particularly interesting. She turns out to be a spy, but, like, that's it. Yeah, there's not much to her character, and since she's a spy, we don't learn much about her. Uh, once the dogs grab- and, you know, by the way, with the dogs, how did her dog even get up there? Yeah. It's a teleporting dog. It must be. An alien, clearly. I feel like she must have obviously put the dog there so that she had an excuse to come over. Mm-hmm. Except for, like, how didn't he know that? I will say, <laughs> though, that based on her, the, oh, she's a spy thing, I've got an elaborate theory that I'm actually really fond of for this episode. She's not actually a spy. She just really went out of her way so that she wouldn't have to talk to Archer anymore. It was just kind of like... Well, this was fun for the first couple hours, but uh, oh, I'm a spy. It'll never work. Bye. Don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's definitely um, a new technique that is pro- possibly more uh, effective than the fadeaway. Some people ghost. <laughs> some, you know, make up a secret cabal to whisk them away that they can never contact people outside of. Yes. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think part of the thing was they were setting her up to be some player in an alien dispute, but then that dispute never materialized into a larger story. So it just kind of got left. Wait, are you saying that there was a concept that wasn't followed through with in Enterprise? Because, <laughs> ouch. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing I took away from this episode was to Paul giving Archer the copy of the teachings of Sirach, <laughs> which I think speaks of their relationship, which we'll talk about later. Uh, yes, but I also dog related. I was I was so distracted by the the other storylines going on. Like, can we just talk about Hoshi's story? <laughs> oh, so much of this episode is so upsetting. Okay, I think we can declare a a three-minute break in our main topic to just, like, get it out about two days and two nights. Oh my god, it's so... Tripp and Malcolm are so transphobic, it makes me so angry, and they're so super gross in the bar, and then that guy who's picking up Hoshi, and the, again, the, like, the, the kiss trope, it's just, oh, it makes me so mad, all of it, also, can we just acknowledge that uh, the guys are just being the most obnoxious tourists ever, kind of? It's just like, yeah, oh my but- god, guys, have you never traveled in your lives? 
Yeah, but, like, literally, they're, like, oh, that's a super attractive woman, and then, uh, basically, their their banter indicates that it would be more socially acceptable for one of them to be attracted to, like, an alien with multiple eyes than a, than another man. Nice going, Mm -hmm. writers. You really gave us that progressive future we were all looking forward to. Yeah, and then at the end, they, like... Uh, get seduced by these women who turn out to be men and it's like this biggest humiliation that we must never talk about yeah they're not humiliated that they were robbed they're humiliated that they were like seduced by men and seduced by men yeah that's one of those things where at the end of the day if you did find out about that you'd be like guys i'm so sorry to tell you this you're idiots that they're the worst Yeah. (laughs) yeah i mean at least hoshi got to have like a hot one night stand Good for Hoshi. I st- I still think her alien guy was gross. Yeah, th- there's still something very weird about that, and I think it it's very much lacking an actual woman's perspective. Um, oh, yeah. So, it uh, yeah, it's you know I'm glad that she got laid, but it it was mm-hmm. just not a great way to to do that story. There's a lot to be disappointed in about this episode. But at the end of the day, I'm just disappointed at myself for sitting all the way through it. <laughs> uh, well, um, yes. Um, I wrote a <laughs> review of this episode for Trekkie Feminist called Dude Bros in Space, if anyone feels like checking that out. Um, but for now, let us move on to uh, more significant love interests. I would say that there's only really a couple really significant ones. And even then, they only really are significant in a couple episodes. But mm-hmm. probably one of our more controversial ones is T'Pol, uh, who we first learn Archer might... Well, I mean, there are there are a few occasions of him, like, asking her to go to the movie nights and sort of joking that it would be a date, which, again, like, more creepy boss behavior. Um, but in A Night in Sick Bay... Which is the line where Archer's dog gets really sick and he decides to screw diplomacy because damn those aliens who got his dog sick. And uh, then Flox Why are you bring your dog on a diplomatic mission anyway? <laughs> and oh, then Flox is like, worse. actually, you really just wanna bang to Paul. And mm-hmm. then Archer has weird fever dreams about making out with T'Pol after his dog's funeral. Good God. This is the one, This so it opens with a decon scene, and then there's more decon scene later. And again, this is why Enterprise being my first Star Trek was just not... (laughs) Thanks for making me just feel very uncomfortable. And I've had men tell me, oh, well, you know, Captain Archer's there in his underwear. Yeah, but it's Captain Archer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have to say that what I've really taken away from this and all the episodes is that Archer's greatest love is Porthos. Yeah, pretty much. clearly. But, yeah, this, this, oh, gosh. I don't even know where to start with this episode. Um, It makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Maybe someone (laughs) else should start and then I'll jump in. (laughs) I would say, like... You know, this this whole episode, there's a lot of cringeworthy moments for Archer when you're, you know, if anyone was going to take him into a who's the best captain match, you wouldn't want to have someone raise this episode because it's like, 
the number of times that he decides that his dog, who he brought down to the planet, you know, and took the risk to do so, um, is more important than repairing the ship. You know, I feel like this entire episode would be shown, like, during his court-martialing, just as part of their clip show for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not about to claim that I would choose the the ship over my cats, but I'm also not captain. Nor would I take my cats on a diplomatic mission to an unknown planet. Yeah, and just the amount of disdain he has for, like, the hoops they're making him jump through instead of, like, fascination with new life and new civilizations. He has a very, your culture is different and therefore stupid attitude. But yeah, he even gets mad at flocks because yeah. they, they don't have pets on Denobula. Yeah, like, like, you just eat your animals, what do you know? And, um... If you know, Flux is the one who basically kind of gets him thinking about T'Pol and kind of, but he kind of suggests there's been some tension there before, but also there's this undercurrent of uh, sort of what we talked about in the past, this idea that like, you're upset, all you need is a good lay, which is usually something that's put on women, but in this case is kind of put on Archer. And still just pretty dumb and also kind of diminishing to a lot of people and saying that they can be reduced to their sex drives it's pretty insensitive and also just i if i have to see that used as a plot point one more time of oh they're a jerk but they really just need to get laid no sex is not a magical cure-all for personalities yeah and then you know you're going through this episode and more and more, like, just being like, why? And cringing. And then it gets to the end, and, like, you actually have him being like, yes, I think that would be breast. I mean best. And you're just like, how did someone write this and it actually got filmed? There are so many things about this episode where you have to just kind of pause it and think to yourself, hang on. Someone thought, this is an idea, and then wrote it down other people said, yeah, okay. And then they got other people to act it out. <laughs> I think they just printed out a fanfic uh. and handed it out. But I feel like that's the kind of like fake Freudian slip joke mm -hmm. that makes it into like parody fanfic. Yeah, like I don't real. know that that happens in that that obvious way in real life. I've never, I've never had that happen to me, but this did... This did make me think about my own personal situations and when men have had sexual feelings towards me and have just been weird around me. Um, and at the end of this, like, to Paul's response to him, it's almost like suggesting that, oh, well, there, you know, there could be something and I just can't imagine any woman receiving like, like having, having that that happened to her, having someone make those slips, being well aware of those slips, and then responding in kind. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm not an Archer to Paul shipper. <laughs> I, I very much feel that they are more similar to Kirk and Spock. And I know we have Kirk and Spock fic, fic um, in another world, but, and it's not, I always feel like, oh, I'm just saying this because, you know, she's a Vulcan and Spock was a Vulcan. It's not. Um, I just feel like they have much more of a of a kindred, very close friend relationship. And so when 
this episode came up, it just, it made me feel so uncomfortable myself. (laughs) And then it made me feel uncomfortable for her. And I just did not understand why they would decide that, that that kind of response from her would, would be warranted or something she would do. Well, it just seems so out of character for him too. He's not like, you know, the young kid on his first mission who's He's not like Wesley Crusher, nervous around girls. Right, exactly. He's clearly had past relationships. He has proposed to someone in the past. He is supposed to be this great leader. Are we really supposed to believe that he'd feel like such sexual tension or such feelings around someone that he'd get tongue-tied in a work situation and not be able to speak to them coherently? I just don't buy it. I feel like that speaks to Archer as a character, though. He's supposed to be this great leader. Maybe he was just very stressed out because of Porthos. (laughs) You don't understand, guys. My dog was sick. Like, real animals lovers here, and I don't know about you, but I was not empathizing. I was not buying the amount of empathy they were asking for here. No. I was really bothered by the fake Porthos. (laughs) Yes. Like, how dumb do you think we are? Uh, it looks more like one of those creepy real baby dolls, but a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, that, like, on the... I think that's a really interesting point about, like, Kirk and Spock versus Archer and Paul. I think that I I um, agree with what you're saying about that they they both have, like, a really deep friendship. And I see that with Archer and Paul. However, I think that Kirk and Spock throughout the whole run of the original series come across a lot more as equals, even though Kirk is the captain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, like, Paul is not only literally his, his subordinate, but he spends a lot of the early episodes, like, putting her down, trying to get her to change, um, like, insulting her science stuff is not interesting enough mm-hmm. and so to like being a see, racist to her for yeah sure. yeah insulting like you know wanting her to be more human and less vulcan um to so to see her have feelings for him i find it like kind of disturbing and um that is even more so in the next episode which is twilight which is the one where you find out that he lost his short-term memory saving her and so she's decided to nurse him for 12 years and like every day have to explain to him what happened and is basically totally in love with him and quit her job to nurse him i never thought i would say this in a million years but i found the adam sandler movie more tolerable (laughs) well i think the other thing that's going on with t'pol and spock and the differences there is spock being half human you know seems though to have a better control or a better reign on his emotions right he we know he has them we know that Vulcan suppress them but like he can be sassy and he knows what a joke is and he's he's in on it and to Paul is still like especially before they find the Kirshara and these are like before the Vulcans that we know from TOS we I feel like we see her struggle a lot more Mm-hmm. with what she's supposed to do with her emotions and what she's not. And you can see it in a lot of these episodes where she is showing this emotion and being berated by the Vulcans and still being told by Terrans that she's not showing enough emotion. So she's in a much more conflicted spot, I think, than than Spock ever is and feels 
you know, Spock is the perpetual outsider, but I would argue that T'Pol is even more of an outsider on Enterprise. Yeah, absolutely. Grace, do you, do you have the outline in front of you? Did you want to read the last Facebook comment? Sure. I'm excited to read this one because I feel like I get to emote in order <laughs> to read it. Sarah on Facebook says, I hated the episodes where they tried to make something between Archer and Paul, particularly Twilight. It was so untrue to Paul's character. A Vulcan woman in the woman in the prime of her career, giving up everything to care for a disabled boss who had always ignored her or dismissed her input, usually with some patronizing explanation of why he was morally superior to her. And the reason the writers gave was that she felt guilty he was injured while trying to save her, which completely goes against her Vulcan character. Angry face! <laughs> it's like an angry, cringy face. So thanks for that uh, comment and emoji, Sarah. <laughs> uh, thoughts? More thoughts on Twilight? I actually... Okay, so Twilight was the only time that I bought chemistry between Archer and T'Pol. Like, I actually felt emotionally connected to what was happening in the episode, it even though... It felt so 50 first dates. Yeah. Yeah. Meets yeah. frame of mind. Yes. <laughs> I wondered if this was actually, like, the perfect relationship for her, and that while she struggled so much, like, he forgets everything. One where he's completely and totally dependent on her? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and really, she can determine what their relationship is every day. Exactly. You know, if she doesn't want to deal with him one day, <laughs> she's just. It'd be cool to see some of the other days where she's just like, Captain Archer, I am uh, the president of the universe, and <laughs> you are my manservant. You have been declared dog boy of the universe. Bark for me, <laughs> dog boy. Bark. <laughs> Not that that would be ethical. But... <laughs> no. Unless they're both into it. I, I, yeah, it was a little bit sad and disturbing. I mean, it would, it's not unprecedented. You know, it shows that same kind of loyalty that we see from Spock towards Pike in the menagerie that is also problematic. But this idea that, you know, especially if the captain sustained that type of an injury for you, that you would feel guilt. Absolutely. But this idea that she's like, sort of pining for him, but he can never love her back because he can't, rem he won't remember it is like, it's just very sad. I think it's interesting that they use flocks to, to just be the one that talks about these things. He's the one that was, you know, well, Archer, how long, how long has it been since you've been laid? And now he's, you know, talking to, to Paul, like, oh, well, I know what your feelings are. Are you going to tell him about your feelings, yeah, I, et cetera? I well, he's the one who's supposed to be more open, right? And yeah. I guess objective. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if they do that because he's he's the doctor. So he's also the psychiatrist here, guys. He's also the one with, what, there are 70-something relationships, 48 of which have sexual possibilities, something, something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, so... Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this episode. I actually, like I can buy the relationship, but I don't really like why. I don't like their motivation that behind it. Um, like to have a relationship stemming from guilt, um, and that can never be fulfilling on the other side is deeply tragic. She does do a similar thing though in Home. I noticed um, as we did watch that episode mm -hmm. and she, you know, basically was going to, you know, agreeing to this arranged marriage that she didn't want to be in in order to get her mother reinstated 
um, mm-hmm. into this, the, was it Academy of Science? I, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, so, bec- that's really the only, the only reason that I would buy her, uh, you know, becoming his caregiver is because we see something similar there. But again, I, I really didn't read it as, as, you know, pining after him or, you know, in the beginning, I suppose it was just the guilt and, and her loyalty to him. And I suppose that if you're with someone for that long, oh, well, you know, feelings might grow, but... Uh... The aging up worked pretty well, actually, for this episode. Just showing the progression of time worked, yeah. Everyone with beards and longer hair. <laughs> and some people with whiter hair. And we could see T'Pol's changing looks over the year. I, I don't buy the beard on uh, Reed, though. No, I didn't really either. It's mirror universe. <laughs> uh, Sue, do you want to read the Facebook comment from Janet? Absolutely. So Janet chimed in on Facebook. Archer to Paul shippers make their case by saying that Archer is better for her because he's less emotional than Trip. But Archer is also not as observant of people. More importantly, he and to Paul have a very hard time letting others close to them. Erica is the only one I can see getting past his walls. But even then, it's an open question. They don't spend a lot of time working through his problems in home. So we'll get to Erica Hernandez in a second, but um, any other concluding thoughts on Archer and T'Pol? Like, what do we think, what does this say about him? We've, like, talked a lot about what we think it says about T'Pol, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on what does it say about him that... I've just never really understood it. Mm -hmm. And whenever it's talked about in Enterprise, it's talked about as a sexual attraction. Mm -hmm. It's not talked about as an emotional attraction or a romantic attraction which i think i would buy i I buy more that it's just a sexual attraction because i couldn't see them together those two characters no me neither yeah in the memory alpha article on archer's relationships it talked about the episode first flight um which is when he recounts the story or when his friend ag robinson dies and uh, he tells the whole thing to Paul, and it says that she basically like offers him a shoulder to lean on. She's certainly very loyal to him, but I don't really see chemistry between them, either like romantic, emotional, or sexual. Yeah, I have to agree. I've just I I never bought it. Um, I I see a deep friendship there, and and I very much respect the friendship that they have, and. Well, he is seemingly one that doesn't open up. Um, once he stops talking down to T'Pol, uh, he, he does develop that relationship and trust with her. And, and First Flight is a great example of, of him opening up and telling, telling her a, a story that's difficult for him. But uh, I, just, I, I just don't buy it, unfortunately. And I'm I do bite to fall and trip, but that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we didn't get any comments from people who were defending Archer and Paul. So if you're listening and you're like, "What Archer and Paul, the best couple ever," um, write us and let us know your uh, your feelings about that because, um, like, obviously there are shippers out there. So, so it would be um, I would be interested and try to keep an open mind. Um, about that because um you know obviously the, some of the writers thought there was some potential there too so yeah again the writers thought that we would buy flocks as some kind of paragon of non-judgmental guruship <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, before we get to Erica, I just want to quickly touch on the other, uh, less significant one, which is, well, at least for our episode, which is, uh, Navarre from Bound. Um, and the reason I'm saying less significant is partly just because we've already talked about her in our Orion Women episode. And I'm pretty sure I remember talking about Bound at least one or two other times because we got a lot to say uh, about it. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's issues there. So this would be the Orion woman who's sold to Archer and then wants to please him. And then they find out is actually a bad woman like the other women and trying to take over the ship. But they're not really the slaves. It's the men that are the slaves, guys. <laughs> yes. Therefore, the whole thing was okay. Uh no. Yeah, so I guess what we learned about Archer from this episode is that he has not a ton of ethical qualms about accepting sex slaves. He doesn't actually, you know, intend to do anything without their consent, but once they just, like, verbally assure him of that a couple times, he's all like, yeah, I'm game. Yeah, he still accepts them as a gift. It, there's nothing there about actually giving them their freedom. <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, this is after uh, the episode where uh, T'Pol is, like, traded in the Orion market, so... In that lovely shot where she is dangling like a rag doll. Yeah. So, like, they know these guys are no good, and they're still just like, sure, yeah, hot women, we'll take those off your hands. All of these episodes are just episodes that were not written with women in mind. No. <laughs> yeah. I feel that with a lot of Enterprise. Yeah, I'm not even sure we can classify her as a love interest so much no. as like Sex a sexual interest. encounter. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would put her and Kayla kind of together. I was going with women he kissed or almost kissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the definition. Yeah. All right. Well, we can move on. But um, so let's talk a bit about Erica Hernandez. And then maybe, maybe to end off, we could talk about like what would – we would have liked to see if we got to like make a love interest for Archer that would have been better than watching weird to Paul Porthos fever dreams. <laughs> uh, so Erica Hernandez and, um, uh, yeah, so we talked a little bit about her in our Women Captains episode. Uh, she's the captain of the Columbia, and really, like, she's in a few episodes, but the most important episode in terms of the love interestness, because they don't really do anything romantic in the other ones, um, is the episode Home, where they go on a romantic mountain climb. Although, let's be real, which, what mountain climb isn't romantic? Well, as long yeah. as you have your magical gravity boots. That's what makes it romantic, yeah. <laughs> Uh, any, any thoughts on Erica Hernandez? Erica's, like, the bright spot of Enterprise for me. I think we and, could have had an Erica Hernandez captain show, and then Archer could have just been her love interest. Yes. He could have just shown up once a season and been like, hey, everybody, it's me, guest star Scott Bakula. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. Like, she takes Trip on to Columbia, and then uh, Enterprise blows up, but not before, like, Phlox and Paul escape, and maybe maybe Mayweather and Hoshi, too, because they didn't get a lot to do, but, you know, maybe not read. Is it bad and- <laughs> now, though, that every time I think the phrase Trip goes to Columbia, I imagine him in Bioshock Columbia? <sighs> <sighs> 
The imagination well, is a wonderful thing. Whatever works. I, I still struggled with this episode some because, mm-hmm. you know, it it's great. We have a female captain and we haven't seen one since for, well, gosh, I, I, I think there was a mention of one beforehand. I can't remember. I'm terrible. Um, There's a mention of how there weren't any women captains beforehand. And then they kind of decided like, mm, yeah, there were. <laughs> we lied. Take a listen to our women captains episode for more background. <laughs> so, you know, we meet her. We learn that she's a captain. So, woo. And then the next thing we find out is, oh, she's she's single. And she's married to Starfleet, which at least she's married to Starfleet. But, you know, right away we set up that she's available for Archer. And I, I understand that it's, it's this is part of the story in the episode. But I was just like, yay. And then, oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, see, I felt like the whole relationship line was kind of a throwaway. Like, mm-hmm. this is why our relationship didn't work, because blah, blah, blah. And well, then she was his subordinate. And now, and then she's like, well, I'm not your subordinate anymore. Let's make out on this mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. He's Scott Bakula climbing a mountain. But <laughs> Why is Scott Bakula climbing a mountain? Why is he climbing a mountain? To embrace the Erica Hernandez. <laughs> I like that she invited herself. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Moxie. I-, I also like that they didn't cast, like, a drastically younger woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely appreciated. Yeah, they also cast a woman of color, and she's the only other, like, Warp 5 ship captain out there. I think that was a really big missed opportunity. And in Home, we get to see her, like, checking out the bridge, and she's, like, asking him about officers, but he seems really reluctant to kind of empower her. He's like, he's really, he's very much Debbie Downer about this situation, having gone through this tremendous loss. Um, and it's like her, her, she's the one who's having to give him a reality check. And almost the whole episode, she's kind of just playing this role to emotionally support him and like help him find his optimism again. So I, I thought that what's in it for her. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Scott Bakula in a tank top. <laughs> as a as a love interest, you know, okay, but I also she felt motherly at sometimes too, and it, it, that was just kind of weird to me. I think we found a new version of the manic pixie dream girl here. The just the I just want a mother and help you love interest. Yeah, exactly. It did feel a little like that, like especially when she says like maybe like he's like I lost something out there, and she's like well maybe I can help you find it. Like that felt very manic pixie dream girl to me, even though in all other respects she doesn't really fit that. We've but gotten this- level headed, uh, strong woman, dream mother. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's the one that's bringing up, oh, why did we ever split up? And like, the, you know, why did that have to be her? Mm-hmm. Well, I know this aired in 2004, but and it, it feels very much like a reaction to 9-11 and the immediate aftermath to me, mm-hmm. which a lot of later Enterprise is, let's be yeah. real. But like this episode in particular, and I think they were trying to give Archer this like, heavy story of like there's so much loss and you don't understand what it's like out there and like that's real and that's important and that's a like worthy story to be told but it's like couched within this whole like oh let me take care of you I still care about you sort of like frame and it's not great and then, sorry, but the rest of the episode and the excuses for xenophobia and the violence, and it's just, 
not good. Man, it could have been done so much better. Like the what they're trying to do in this episode, I think is like I think the intentions were good. And it just, it failed for me on a lot of levels. Ultimately, I think I would rather have just seen her as a colleague without any romantic involvement Mm -hmm. with him. For sure. Um, I I did really appreciate that that he does say that, you know, she inspires him in a way and that, you know, she's, she reminds him of, of what he used to be. And, and I thought that was a nice compliment. Um, But I I don't think they needed to have this romantic connection. No, agreed. I did like how she didn't let the stuff get to her. Like, he was throwing out all this, like, serious, you know, and, like, valid concerns. But because of, like, the power differential between them in terms of, like, her being a former subordinate, her being, like, the second captain, her being a woman, um, it was a little, I found it a little annoying. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then, but she's just like, so so what? Space is dangerous, you know? So she she was really like kind of unflappable and I liked that about her. Grace, do you want to read the Facebook comment from Chris? Absolutely. Which sort of mirrors a bit of what Heather said. Chris on Facebook says, Captain Hernandez was interesting enough on her own to stand up without needing the Archer romance to make her work. They could have cut that completely, except then they'd have no visible personal link between the two captains. Except Archer never needed to be have fondled A.G. Robinson or Duval or his other male captain peers. It was accepted that they'd just have the engineering and spaceflight experience in common. But they just didn't write that shared professional experience in for Archer and Hernandez. We get to hear fairly little of her early career and nothing else that strongly ties her to Archer. Here, here. Good. Yeah. Well said. Good point. I was like, yeah, I don't actually know anything about her except for she used to serve under Archer. They used to have a thing and she's now qualified to be captain. Do you think that Archer just fondles a lot of other captains? <laughs> Is he a captain? I don't father? get that sense. I, I bet you that... say that to all the Warp 5 captains. <laughs> I think that his his first loves are Porthos and Enterprise. But Porthos first. Yeah, Porthos first. He can only ride on one of those, though. Not the dog. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> um cool so um before we wrap up should uh let's uh have a, a little brief chat about what would have made a better love interest for archer or maybe also made it would have made archer better for love interests <laughs> someone who he was on equal footing with because again we have this thing with both hernandez and Tapal where they're both women who are uh who are or have been in a position underneath him where he's got a level of authority over them. And that's just creepy. Not really cool to have a character Mm. who keeps pursuing relationships with women who are not in a position where they can 100% comfortably just give them the brush off. It's, it's really uncomfortable. And I think a character like Archer really could have stood uh, to gain something from a character that he could, um, I don't want to say butt heads with, but someone who he could sort of emotionally match wits with on equal footing. That could have been cool. That could have been, you know, brought the character's ego down to size a little more. There could have been potential there. Archer meets Janeway. (laughs) (laughs) Archer for me lives in this kind of in-between space because they tried to make him like the cowboy type, like Kirk Mm -hmm. was. But also, like, a little more military leader. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, the characterization wavers a lot 
Oh, definitely. Depending on the episode. So it's hard to say, like, what would make him a better partner? Like, stability. <laughs> like, figure yourself out. <laughs> a character out. who's consistently written. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think that's a good point, because I'm having trouble thinking of anything, too, and I'm running through other captains and being like, does he need, like, a, a, to go back in time and then have to let die the woman that he falls in love with. Because there are some or- things that Archer, like we talked about in our um, episode on fusion and stigma, where like in one episode, Archer is a really great ally. Like mm-hmm. my crewman said this happened to her. She said, you did it. I'm on her side. That's it. And, period. And the, the other episode, he's super selfish. Right. And like the next minute, the next episode, he could be like, you know, screw the prime directive that we don't quite have yet. But let's go down to this planet and dress up and infiltrate and like just the the morals and the not necessarily the morals, but just like you never know what he's going to do next. He's a loose cannon in a lot of ways. Yeah. Unpredictable, but not intentionally unpredictable. Right. (laughs) Just in the way that makes him seem a little uh, unstable. His personality is whatever it needs to be for the plot that week. Yeah. A little, yeah. I think it's a sad tale of, of how much Enterprise really suffered um, from from having, you know, good writers and, and new stories and just a, a, a cohesive vision behind it. Um, although I do have to wonder if the tables were reversed and if Archer was a subordinate. <laughs> what what yeah. would happen there? <laughs> Good question. I mean, I think that they could have done Archer and Erica more better. <laughs> I, you know, if they had brought her in more frequently and and given us more of of her development, yeah. uh, I I think there would have. Yeah, the show wasn't around long enough. But also, like, if they had brought her in also as a captain flying her own ship before you saw mm-hmm. them mountain climbing, that might have also just played a lot differently. Or even if one of the things they talked about on the mountainside was like, remember that time in flight school where we got into this situation and we got some kind of history of connection between them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a good point. Cool. All right. Well, um, we are about um, at time. So are there any final thoughts before we do the wrap up? Team Porthos. That's all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to pick a favorite love interest for Archer is kind of like trying to decide between, again, what flavor is your mouth scalding mouthwash going to be? Cinnamon. (laughs) All right. Well, if anyone else has differing opinions or this or, you know, or similar opinions, any opinions, really, we love to hear from you. You can email our show at crew at women at warp dot com or you can comment on our Facebook or our Twitter at women at warp. Um, or you can visit our website, womenatwarp.com. So Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you elsewhere on the interwebs and find your podcast? So my podcast is at shoreleavepodcast.com. And if anyone wants to shout out on Twitter, I'm LLA Posper. And Grace. You can find me on Twitter at bonecrusherjank. And Sue. I'm on the tweetser at spaltor, S-P-A-L-T-O-R. And I'm Jara, and I'm on Tumblr at trekkiefeminist.com. So thanks so much for joining us, everyone, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm.